like to talk about why does God give you obstacles in life? And then that's, uh, we want to pray into that and have a ministry time. Uh, I love the fact that the Bible is very real. It talks about life issues. And we have, especially in the stories of Jesus, we have instances where Jesus ministered to people who had all the different challenges that we would have. And in some cases, they're bigger challenges, some cases less. But the good news, friends, is that when Jesus was ministering, he wasn't ministering as God. He was ministering as a human being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's us, isn't it? And so if Jesus did it, we can do it. And that was one of the things, John, that you read, that I, can, I was born to do greater things than, than, uh, than Jesus. And Jesus actually said that, didn't he? Is that we can do greater things. So we're talking this morning. Next slide. Who's back there? Is it Eric back there? Yes. Perfect. Eric. So if you have your Bible, I'd like you to turn to James chapter 1. And we're going to look at uh, what James is talking about. Why are there obstacles? Why are there detours in life? Why are there things that just sort of like, God, I thought you said, and then something happens. And so we're going to look at that, and then we're going to look at three quick little stories from the Gospels of how did people deal with a, a specific obstacle. So James chapter 1, consider it pure joy. Do you know what pure joy means? <laughs> it's more than a smile on your, on your lips. It's more than a smile in your heart. It's like, oh my goodness, my goodness, this is probably the best experience I'm ever going to have in my life. Pure joy. Consider the best experience that you could ever have, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. What kind of pastor would say that? Because remember, James is the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. He is the stepbrother of Jesus. Same, uh, same mother, different dad uh, that James had. And he's the, he's the pastor of this large, large, the very first Christian church. And he's the guy that he's writing this very practical book. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith. So that's what we're talking about today. A trial is a test of your faith. Your faith is your action on what you believe God's spoken to you to do or to believe for. So we're going to focus on those kind of things. If everything that you heard from God happened, sooner or later you become very, very complacent. You, you just sort of, oh, well, that was too easy, that was too easy. And the Lord loves the pushing in and the persevering and the, the obstacles. So because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work. So friends, when you are asked to try something and do it and do it and do it and do it again, uh, that's because something has to finish. What God is trying to do is to finish something in you so that you can become something. So that you may become mature and complete, not, next slide, not lacking anything, and if any of you lacks wisdom, if you're not sure how to do it, ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Let me just talk about these two words. The word believe is the holding on to what you know God has spoken to you about. The word doubt is the beginning to let go of what God's talked to you about. They are opposites. So believing is... It hasn't happened yet, but I'm 
I'm still in the hope category. I'm still expecting. The doubting is, I know God said it, but now I'm trying to really think, did God really say that? And you're unwinding. The, the doubt, friends, is leading towards a place where you just, uh, you get into fears. And fears, uh, fear and faith are the very same word. All that's changed is who you listen to. Fear is when you listen to God. Sorry, fear is when you listen to Satan. Faith is when you listen to God. Both of them have rewards for listening and, and acting. The reward for listening to God and acting is called faith, which brings breakthroughs. The reward for listening to Satan and believing what he said is called fear. And it's a reward. It's a bad reward. And Christians can get into that one very easily. So we must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like the wave of a sea, uh, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So if you're double-minded, you're not going to get anything from the Lord because you're in and out, in and out, in and out. You've made a choice to, to waffle, to be in uh, two different camps. And so you're not going to get anything. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. So why do we have obstacles? Three real quick things, friends. Number one, they're there to test, did you hear from God? Every time faith uh, is to rise up in your heart, it's because God has spoken to your spirit about something. So, for example, God speaks to uh, Noah and says there's going to be rain. Well, he has to look up the word rain in the dictionary because it's never rained before. What's rain? It's stuff from the sky, water from the sky. Okay, well, we've never had that before. Well, it's going to come so bad that uh, the whole world's going to be flooded. What's the flood? He has to look up the word flood in the dictionary because we've never had that before. All these things that just made no sense to him and the size of the ark and the scale of what he's to do, the Bible says was 100 years to build that boat. And he did that on one word that's recorded in the scriptures. God spoke to him once and said, your family is in danger. Here is their escape. Here is how they will live. Build a boat. And by the way, build it big enough for all the animals as well who will listen to me and who will arrive on the right day to get in the boat. I find that fascinating. The animals heard very, very well. Seriously, didn't they? they not all of them did, just two of the unclean ones and five of the clean ones. Yeah, and so they're, they're there. And so friends, when obstacles come to you, it's because God is trying to raise your standard of faith. He's trying to raise your action because faith isn't, is the acting on what God speaks to you. Faith is, the, is where the breakthroughs come. When God speaks to you, that's, that brings up hope in your spirit. You're going, oh my goodness, if, if that was to happen, that'd be so good. And now you've got a God thought. And it's up to you now to, will I proceed with this? Will I move forward with this? Will I believe this? And so obstacles are there purposely from God allowed by God to happen for you to go, did I really hear God say this? Do you remember in the book of, of uh, Revelation, sorry, not Revelation, Hebrews chapter 11, there's the story of Abraham and Isaac, and they're talked about people of faith. Abraham's talked about being a person of faith. Sarah is talked about being a person of faith. Do you remember back in Genesis when they're 
in their, he's in his 90s, she's in, their, in her 80s, and they don't have a child. And two angels come, but it looks like they're people, but it turned out they're angels. And the angels prophesy over Abraham and say, this time next year, you're going to have a baby. And his wife's in the tent because she's making a goat stew for, for lunch. And she's laughing in the tent. Remember that? And uh, they go, what are you laughing about? Oh, I'm not laughing. It's like, no, no, you were laughing. So is she laughing, this ain't going to happen? Or wouldn't this be crazy kind of laughing? Don't know. But she's called out. And Abraham's called out. And the, the Bible's very, very clear in what it says is that this is a double whammy kind of miracle because she's infertile and he needs Viagra pills to function. The Bible, this is in the Bible, friends, not the Viagra part. But it says his body is as good as dead. That's, that's what we're talking about, friends. His body's not functioning to be able to father a child and his wife is infertile. But God sent two angels and prophesied and said, this time next year, you're going to have a child. And the Bible says that, that Sarah is the one who approached her husband one night and said, let's try once more. Sarah's the one that is in the book of Hebrews that acted in faith. And somehow God showed up. And two miracles took place. He was... the. the Abraham was able to do his stuff, and the Lord opened up her body to be able to conceive, and a, and a miracle baby came. Well, they are credited with righteousness because they believed. They're the first examples of people who had a massive breakthrough when it's impossible. Yeah? God loves obstacles, friends. Don't run away from them. Embrace them. I used to pray when I was younger... Uh, the, this, this passage, Father, bring obstacles in my life. And the pastor I was working with, he's going, Steve, let's just calm down on that phrase for a while because let's just get through these ones before, before we start new ones. And it's like, okay. Uh, Eric, number two, obstacles produce I'm not giving up. It's the word perseverance. The Lord loves that word, perseverance. He loves the fact that we are to be praying every single day, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Give us today my, what kind of bread? Daily. Daily bread. The Lord wants every single day for us to believe that he's able to be with us, that he's able to help us. Some of you know Carol Arnott, who's the, her and her husband John are the founding pastors who catch the fire in Toronto. And she was having a, a time with the Lord and she was a little concerned about her issues, her heart, why is she still angry towards this person and dealing with inner issues on, on this? And so she, she's talking to the Lord and journaling, and she writes out, uh, Father, aren't you able to heal me of all my pain in a moment? Yes. Why don't you do it? <laughs> and this is what she heard Jesus speak to her. It's then, then you wouldn't need me tomorrow. And the Lord loves that every single day contending with him, partnering with him, holding on with him. He loves that every single day. Friends, do you know that on your worst day, God will still be there for you? Do you remember when Adam and Eve sinned and all of a sudden they're full of shame? They're full of fear. Well, what's going to happen to us? 
and they don't go to meet with God at their designated meeting place. Guess who was there to meet with, to meet with them? Father God was already there. God was waiting for them even on a day when they had consciously sinned. God was still there. They were, oh my goodness, God won't want to be with us. No, no, your father will always want to be with you. And he loves when you keep on moving, keep on pushing, and being very honest about your stuff. Eric, number three, is obstacles uh, help us to have a lifestyle of living by faith. Because the purpose of obstacles, friends, is for you to be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Have you met people who are so into that God can do anything that it's a little freaky, like they're a little, like you're not real anymore. Have you met people that don't seem to be real in the Christian faith? They just have all these stories taking place. Uh, I've had the privilege of meeting Kenneth Copeland a couple times. When I was uh, in my Baptist days, I didn't like the guy. I didn't understand the guy. Uh, I just never read about anything that he said, never listened to any of his sermons. I just believed all the criticism about him. But then when I got to meet him, he is now one of my superheroes. Like if there's anyone that is on planet Earth that has superhero powers, it's Kenneth Copeland. His confidence in God for breakthroughs is unbelievable. His understanding that if the Bible says it, it can happen in my life. He is unafraid to invest millions of dollars. This guy was a, a millionaire before he was 30. Uh, he used to be the pilot for Earl Roberts before he became a follower of Jesus, had, a, had an airplane way, way back. And he's just, money seems to come his way, but he is one of the most extravagant men that I know. Uh, two years ago, they rented our building in Toronto for the Canada Day weekend, and they had a conference in our building, and it was off the charts amazing. Uh, because it was their event, I had to dress up in a suit to come to their event in our building, because this is sort of how I dress at our church. When he came to our conference, he still dressed up, but everyone else sort of dressed our way. Uh, but now I'm at his, his event, and it's, uh, it looks like it's a fancier you know, suit and tie for the guys kind of, uh, kind of meeting. And he's telling stories, and they're doing stuff. And this guy, when he's talking about finances, and God spoke this, and this is now what's happened, it's like, how do these things happen? So he's telling us the story that he has two fancy airplanes. And friends, don't get freaked out by the airplane things. That's like you having a nice car. If you're a millionaire, that's your toy. If you're not a millionaire, a car is your toy. Yep. So he's just at a different level of toys. And the Lord said for him to buy uh, a very, very expensive plane when he already had one, but he was to never, ever use it. It is just to be a blessing to other people's ministries. And it's, I don't know how much it was, but it's in the tens of millions for sure. And uh, he doesn't have the money, and he just, put, but he believes, and the Lord tells him a strategy, and he does it, and bing, bang, boom, he's got an airplane that he gives to people like Reinhard Bonnke to fly to Africa and do his stuff. Friends, you and I are supposed to get into a higher level of living the Bible stuff. Because, friends, if you start living the Bible stuff, your family are going to be drawn to you. What's your secret? The people on your street are going to be, what's your secret? 
the people that you work with are, what's your secret? Why are you always seeming to have these stories? Why is God always giving you breakthroughs? And friends, the purpose of us living in faith isn't just so for us to have good health and provision and whatever. It's for us to be able to give it away and help other people to realize this is the kingdom of God. This is what God wants. It's for us to live like Jesus every single day. Friends, you know that Jesus lived completely as a human being. Philippians chapter 2 tells us that. Even though he is fully God, he chose to not use any God qualities. So how did Jesus live when, he, when it comes time to pay taxes? How many of you like February when Revenue Canada starts collecting your money if you didn't pay enough every single time you got paid? And it's like one of my brothers uh, just hates paying taxes and he will wait and wait and wait. He'll wait years if he could. Just doesn't like the, the filling in the forms and all this kind of stuff and he tends to get behind and, on his taxes. What did Jesus do when it came tax season? He went fishing. Father, I don't have any cash today. What do I do? And a God thought comes, friend. That's all it was, a God thought. Go fishing. In fact, he's so confident that he doesn't even go fishing. He sends Peter to go fishing. Peter, go fishing. Pull the first bass out of the water pick or whatever it is open its mouth there'll be two gold coins in there one for your taxes one for my taxes and peter does it peter believes jesus he functions uh, according to the revelation that jesus has had and off he goes fishing and all of a sudden there's provision i love that kind of stuff friends god wants you and i to get to a higher level so that we can be living in a blessed life and we can bless other people as well all right, two little um, positives. Keep going, next one. So I already just talked about this, but anytime you're struggling, friends, your, your Father in Heaven is not disappointed when you say, um, sorry, could you say that again? Your Father in Heaven's not disappointed when you go, I don't understand. What do you mean by an airplane and give it away? What, sorry, explain that again? The Father's very happy to fill in the blanks and to give more revelation and more revelation and more revelation. He loves to be able to do that. But the next slide, please, Eric, is you cannot doubt. You cannot go backwards. You can't go backwards and, and expect a breakthrough. Right. You have to be, God said it, I'm living this way. Doesn't matter what other people think, I'm going to do it this way. And friends, the breakthroughs are always when you move forward, never when you back up, right. never when you back up. So let's quickly look at three stories from the book of Mark. And they're all from a town in, uh, called Capernaum. Some of you have been to Israel, the Duics. Yay, went to Israel. Whereas these guys went to Israel. We went to Capernaum. It's an excavated city, uh, city, town. Uh, the whole town would be the, side, the footprint of this school property. Uh, the whole of Capernaum could fit here. 75 excavated houses, tiny little houses, and we were there. And all these stories that we're going to look at today took place in that little town. And the first one is, it talks about that four guys had a God thought when they heard that Jesus was coming to town. They have a friend who's paralyzed, quadriplegic, paraplegic, a little bit perhaps like this gentleman here. And they had this God thought. If we can get our friend to Jesus, Jesus will heal him. That's the God thought. 
As simple as that. Let's get him to Jesus. Jesus will heal him. Yep. So they go to his house. They get him on the mat. These four guys each grab a corner of the, of the stretcher. And they're taking him to Jesus. And the people gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left in the house. Not even outside the door. That's an obstacle, isn't it? If you're trying to get to the healing meeting and you can't get in the building and you can't get close to it, this is a problem. How many think that's a problem? Why would the Lord do that? Why would the Lord speak to four guys and say, your friend can be healed and then not make it possible? Because friends, that's what happens in your life. That's what happens in my life. The Lord says something and then there's an obstacle, there's a detour, there's a problem. And it would appear that one of those four guys, as they're looking, and friends, this is not a street in Capernaum. This is the width of a house. <laughs> but the streets, the streets are this wide. That's what a street is. There's not a lot of street room outside of a house. Like, it's packed. There's no way to get close. And while these four guys... As they hear that Jesus is there, everyone's gone to the house. They went to someone else's house. They're at the back of the line. And now they're, they're pondering, what do we do? Didn't you hear that we're supposed to get this guy to Jesus? How do we do this? And one of those four has another thought, a wisdom moment. The father spoke again and gave them wisdom. Remember, if you don't know exactly what to do, ask the father. He's wise. He'll help you. And so the thought comes to one of these four guys, let's go through the roof. How many of you know that's unacceptable in Winnipeg? <laughs> to break through someone's roof. That's called break and enter, isn't it? That's called public mischief. That's probably got four or five different uh, criminal acts that you've just broken. But they do it because they had a God thought. And when that guy is lowered into the room, the very thought that they had that Jesus will heal him takes place. Does it not? Yeah. And it's a spectacular miracle. The people in the house, the Bible says, if you go to Luke's passage, they're Pharisees, they're teachers of the law. They don't like any of the Jesus stuff. And they're having a private meeting, it would appear, purposely to just talk to Jesus. And they're critical of Jesus when he says to this guy, uh, your sins are forgiven. You can't talk like that. And Jesus says, yes, I can. And this guy's healed. He gets, out, he gets up out of his stretcher and he's healed right in front of them. And the Bible says everyone in the house and outside the house, praise God, because a remarkable miracle had taken place that day. And that was as simple as four buddies having the thought, let's take Jesus, to, sorry, let's take our friend to the healing meeting obstacle can't get in too full oh well let's come back tomorrow no let's go through the roof and they did it Eric next story so this is a lady who's living in Capernaum and she's been bleeding for 12 years she's been having her menstrual cycle it would appear for 12 straight years and when she heard about Jesus she came up behind him in the crowd friends this is the obstacle According to Jewish law from the book of Leviticus, if a lady's having her menstrual cycle or any kind of bleeding, anybody has pus coming out of sore, has a boil on their hands, you are unclean. You are not allowed to be in public. You're not allowed to be in a crowd. 
Not allowed. Because everyone that you sort of brush up against, you have to say, oh, excuse me, excuse me, I'm unclean, and they go, oh. Because now they're unclean for 24 hours. Now they have to go home and go through five different baths, cleansing procedures to make themselves clean to go in public the very next day. And this lady had a God thought. Do you remember what her God thought was? Touch the hem of his garment and you'll be well. Well, that's easy. That's real easy. Any of us could do that. Except if we're bleeding. <laughs> and we're having our menstrual cycle, and we're not allowed to be in public, and we're unclean, and we're in pain. The Bible says she's, she's gotten worse over these 12 years. Well, now that's an impossibility. That can't be done. The Bible actually said you can't do that. The book of Leviticus, you can't do that. But she's so convinced that God spoke to her that she risks all these things, and she comes up behind Jesus in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought Here's her faith statement. If I touch his clothes, I will be healed. Friends, it's not complicated, God thoughts. They're simple. They're life-changing. If I do this, hope, God will do his part. It starts with the if I do my part, then God will do his part. And when God speaks to you about finances and whatever those things are, you got to believe it. Next one, last one. While that's happening, if you remember, Jesus is actually on his way to a house where a 12-year-old girl is dying. And this lady interrupts Jesus walking to the house. Jairus, if you read the story, has heard that Jesus has gotten out of a boat and he's coming home because Jesus lives in Capernaum. The Bible says he has a house there. Jairus humbles himself. He's the, he's the chairman of the board of the synagogue. He's the ruler of the synagogue. He's the head the head guy, not the rabbi, not the teacher, but the guy who hires the rabbi. He's a business guy probably. And when he hears that Jesus is there, he has a God thought. If, and this is what he says to Jesus, if you touch my daughter, she will live. That's his God thought. If, Jesus, you touch my daughter, she'll live. So if you hear that, what are you going to do if you're a dad? You're going to find Jesus as quick as you can. And now he hears that Jesus is arriving home that day, and he runs down the escarpment, down to where the boats uh, dock, and we, on our tour, that's, we, we had a little time there. And you, he finds Jesus, and the Bible says he gets on his knees, and he, he begs Jesus, if you come and touch my daughter, she'll live. And Jesus goes, let's do it. And they start walking up the escarpment, up onto the... Um, open marketplace outside of the, the little town. And in that little marketplace is probably where that lady who's been bleeding for 12 years finds Jesus, touches him in the middle of a crowd before he gets into the town, and she's healed. And Jesus stops and likes, who, who touched me? Because he felt power leave his body. He knew that something had happened. Well, meanwhile, Jairus is tugging at him. Come on, let's get going, let's get going. My daughter's dying. And he's, Jesus is delayed. And now, this miracle's taking place. This miracle's taking place with this lady. Everyone's excited except for Jairus. And while he's waiting, while he's waiting, two guys from his house come and say, your daughter is dead. That's different than dying, isn't it, friends? 
quite a bit different than dying. Your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? Who says, why bother? Who, who, who talks like that and says, well, don't bother? Do you know who says, don't bother? People who've not heard from God. People who haven't had a revelation. They're going to talk you out of your stuff all the time. They're going to say, that doesn't make any sense. Because they've not heard it. Uh, you can explain what God says to you, but people will think in their mind. They won't be thinking in their spirit. Because when God speaks to you, your spirit gets it, not just your brain. Sometimes your brain's checking out and your brain's telling you, not going to happen, no way. But your spirit's going, uh-huh, it can happen, it can happen, it can happen. Because your spirit knows better than your brain does. And here's two guys that say to Jesus, don't bother Jesus anymore. She's dead. It's over. And Jesus happens to overhear them. Overhearing what these two guys said, Jesus tells him, don't, don't go backwards into that fear. Let's just hold on and believe. Because remember, believing is holding on. It hasn't, you haven't had your, your miracle yet. You're holding on to what God said. And Jesus is basically saying to Jairus, did you hear from God this morning to come and get me at the shore? Did you hear this morning that if I touch your daughter, she'll be alive? Is that what you heard? Yeah. Well, let's keep going to your house. Meanwhile, two guys are standing right there going, no, 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 no. She's dead. The doctor came, signed the paper, she's dead. Yep. So if you're Jairus, what are you going to do? You've got Jesus, who is 100% on miracles in his life, and two friends who are saying, dead. Your choice. Well, I'm so glad that Jairus made a, I think I'll keep believing. And so off they go. And friends, more obstacles take place. We don't have time to tell that story. But the people who are at the house, <clears throat> excuse me, the people who are at the house would be family, friends, and intercessors. They all start laughing when Jesus comes, I'm here to minister. What? <laughs> like, you're, you're too late. And they laugh at Jesus and Jairus. Laughed at them. It's over. And friends, it's not over until the Lord says it's over. If your friends say it's over, if your spouse says it's over, if your best, says, best friend says it's over, if your boss says it's over, and God said it's not over, it's not over. And that's the persevering, that's the moving forward. Everyone in this room's had God speak to you about something that you haven't seen yet. Would I be correct? How many have had those crazy God thoughts? Talks about your finances, talks about your health, talks about relationships. Friends, they're all in play until God changes the rules. Until God says it's different, they're in play. They're possible. So in your, I want you to just to think of one of those for you, because we're going to pray into it in just a moment. So for example, if God said, I'm going to give you a house. We're talking again with Trevor and Mel and some of your, your leaders last night. And the thought is that God's going to give Catch Fire Winnipeg a, a building a property debt-free. Debt-free. Well, how many of those stories have you heard in Winnipeg? Have you heard of businesses getting property debt-free? Well, there's probably a few of them that have. 
The government just closes down a building and if you want to do this and this, here you go. There's probably some precedents in Winnipeg for people getting free, free property, assets. People do win the lotteries, don't they? And they just have provision. They're able to do the, do the stuff. Lots of different ways that it's possible. But friends, when you don't know how it's going to be possible, and it's just this dream, you're going to be given a property, you're going to be healed. Meanwhile, it looks like there's no, there's no known cure for the problem that you have. What happens? Sandra, uh, two years ago, was diagnosed with some sort of uh, fog in her lungs. And it's a big, long, fancy name that you have to look up on the, <laughs> in the dictionary to find out what it is. It's one of these new diseases that's probably coming from in, like an environmental disease. Uh, they don't know how it comes, and there's no cure for it. And so we're meeting with this secular Jewish lady doctor. She's maybe 35, 40. Uh, turns out we've been to Israel. She hasn't. We've been there five times. She hasn't. And so she's, trying to, she's a little freaked out that Christians know more about Israel and more about her Jewish faith than she does because she's not functioning in her faith. And she says to Sandra, you're going to come and see me every year for the rest of your life. You're going to have an appointment every year for the rest of your life because this is uncurable disease that you have. We can manage it. We can give you some medicine, some steroids, some different things like that. And uh, we're going, uh, thank you very much, but we're people of faith. Shawty's heard that. She's trying to figure out how's that work. And at the end of all of that, I said, um, so what is the marker that next year when Sandra comes back that you classify as she's healed or a miracle's taken place? Well, no, no, no one ever gets better. I understand that, but what would be the magic number for of the tests that she's going to be doing every year? What's that magic number? And I think she said 80, Sandra? I can't remember what the number was, but you never get, no one gets better. Well, as soon as we got to the car, we just break off all those never get better words. I prayed for Sandra, you will get better. We're going to have a breakthrough. This lady's going to see that God's real. So the next year we go in, and Sandra's almost at that number, just underneath the number. And she's going, well, this is quite interesting, isn't it? This is, and she's, she's backtracking. And now it's uh, every second year that you have to see her? Next March. If what Sandra's saying is she goes in March, and if the, she's still at that number, which is almost the miracle number, she doesn't have to ever come back. So friends, the, these are, this is just a simple little thing that when you know that your healing belongs to you because of what Jesus has done for us, we're able to claim these things. We're able to believe it. If the Bible says it, it's ours. Yes?